You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick Nauta, how are you doing today? Doing great, Dave. How are you? Good. Good. Um, someday we're going to have to explain to our listeners why we're always giggling when we start this right? podcast after we try to do our count <laughs> and it never quite works out, right? So, Absolutely. We have a lot to smile about today, though. It's sunny. It's yeah, Friday. It's, it's sunny. warming up. My uh, my son just came in a few minutes ago with about a dozen morel mushrooms he found in the woods next to the house. So, nice. so that's a, a we're about a week and a half behind normal uh, okay. normal spring season here, but uh, we're getting there. All right, you can do some mushroom hunting this weekend. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. You know. A good investment if you see what morels sell for by the yeah. pound, it's crazy. No, no joke, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, speaking of uh mushrooms and uh things that have been around a long time, we're going to talk about a little bit of a financial relic today, Dave. We're going to talk about uh pension choices and kind of some of the financial planning elements of how we think about those choices. and you're right. It's kind of a relic, but it's come up quite a bit lately with some of our clients that are transitioning towards uh, retirement. Uh, we do still have quite a few folks who have pensions. Sometimes those pensions have been frozen for a while and they haven't been uh, contributed to, but they still have some choices around how they're going to use them. Yeah, we've got quite a few groups around here. And I know a lot of our teachers that are retiring still have pension options that have been there for a while. Same thing with mm-hmm. State of Michigan employees. They have been there for a while, might have some pension options. So um, definitely still comes up, but yeah. you don't see a lot of new pension plans out there yeah. for sure. Well, and and one thing too that we thought about while we were putting this together is a lot of the same philosophies and reasoning kind of factor into social security choices too. Yeah, absolutely. Very similar in terms of payout structure and that sort of thing. And and risk. Social security is basically just a government-operated pension program in a way. Yeah, very true. So the first kind of big decision that a lot of pensions allow is whether you want to take a lump sum instead of true pension payments. So a pension, a true pension payment being a set amount, usually every month for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live. And you sometimes, not every pension, but with a lot of them, you can instead opt to take a uh, rollover, usually into your retirement account of an amount that would generate that based on a bunch of actuarial rules. I We see this one a lot with people who maybe have a perfect a pension that they forgot about and all of a sudden they get a letter from the company saying, hey, Mm -hmm. we'll give you this big sum of money so that we don't have to pay you out over your lifetime. And so, or when you're getting ready to retire, you know, there's a lot of different options, buyout options um, that have similar options to them as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the the big question is how do you figure out if the amount that they're giving you up front and the lump sum is worth it versus how do you compare that to pension payments over your lifetime? What goes into making that decision. So there is some some mathematical analysis involved in making sure that you know what they're how they're how they're calculating that makes sense and and how that how they're crediting growth into the pension itself. But you know from a philosophical standpoint, the important things to think about are 
how you feel about risk mm-hmm. and responsibility going hand in hand in this case. In that if you take the lump sum, there's some there's some upsides to that, but it also means then you are responsible for making sure you have monthly income to meet your needs for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live. Part of the reason why pensions offer a lump sum is because it shifts the investment risk from the pension company yeah. and the longevity right. risk from the pension company onto the participant. The way I would like to help people think about that is how is that pension payment going to fit into your overall plan? So um, is it, you know, is it a small amount compared to your overall spending? Do you have other assets available? How does, you know, how does this all fit together? Because the upside of taking the lump sum is you've got flexibility, right? If you decide to take a vacation next year, just like you're, it's just part of your IRA usually that you can say, Hey, I need, you know, another $10,000 out of that. And you've got the flexibility. And the other thing is, you know, when they're figuring out what your pension payments equate to, they're using a pretty conservative investment return that they factor into how they're going to grow that. And by and large, if you're willing to take some investment risk, you're probably going to do at least as well or better on your own, but it's not guaranteed. And I think another important uh, piece of this equation as well is, are you healthy and do you have longevity Mm -hmm. in your bloodlines? Right. Like if, right. if both of your parents live till age 120, then chances are having a lifetime income is going to be a good deal for you. Right. If you, um, if you, if you take the lump sum and live a long time, you may have been better off taking the pension payments. If you take the lump sum and pass away early, your beneficiaries are going to get that lump sum and, uh, you know, potentially have a, you know, that would have been the better financial outcome. Of course, you won't be around to care. Yeah, that's one of those where you don't know until after the fact if you've made the right decision, but you can do some um, some deductive reasoning to come up right. with a reasonable you know, age where you feel comfortable based on your health and the longevity in your family. So one of the most salient experiences with pension choices in my career was back in, I should have looked this up ahead of time, it was either 2009 or 2010 when a large group of GM salary retirees were offered lump sums to buy out their pensions. And these were, these are folks who were already retired and had taken the pension, you know, the pension payments, you know, they might've retired in 2000, you know, in the 1990s and had been, been taking those payments for a few years. And when GM had financial difficulties during the financial crisis, they wanted to get that pension out of their responsibility and hand it off. And so they came back to a lot of those employees and said, Hey, you know, you know, we will give you X dollars to put into your IRA in place of the payments we've been paying you all along. And when we went through the analysis, again, it wasn't so much about the math. It was that these were folks that that were in retirement and had been counting on that fixed payment for their spending and it was going to be a pretty difficult thing to then turn around and say, okay, because most of them were fairly young too. And at the end, of it, to make a long story short, I think I did seven or eight analysis of that question for different people. And I think there were two situations where I really felt it made sense for them to take the lump sum. And in those cases, it was people that 
weren't spending what the, you know, they weren't spending the pension anyway. They were basically putting it in the bank. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause they, they, they didn't need it. And so it was a way to base, they, they were planning to save it all and pass it on to their kids anyway. They had very low expenses. And so it was really a way to say, Hey, let's get that money up front now. So it doesn't matter how long you live, what, you know, what you'll have saved. Right. Interesting. I think a lot of times the hard part of this is it's just such an emotional decision because you have this big lump sum of money that you're faced with. Um, And in a lot of cases, if you have a good size pension or a good monthly payout, that's a pretty significant amount of money. And so you're faced with, do I, you know, uh, a lottery winning almost and or versus continuing your pension. And so I think a lot of people get struck by the emotions of that amount of money. But when you do, and the hard part is when you do the math, a lot of times it's, they're pretty similar outcomes. So a lot of it just kind of depends on how you handle investments, how you handle risk, what your longevity is, but just that emotion of if you, if you look at it on face value and if you make that decision based on your emotions, a lot of people are like, Mm -hmm. heck yeah, I'm going to take this big chunk of money and and do what I want with it. Um, But that's not always the best case. And so that's why doing the math is important and looking at all the other factors is really important when you look at lump sum versus continuing those payments. You also have to be careful, you know, as investment advisors, you know, you'd think we'd be pretty gung-ho to uh, get that money and, you know, let's, let's get that invested and let's be creative and we should be able to do better. But on the other hand, you know, the way I look at it, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm handling someone's retirement accounts and I know they've got a pension, I I kind of feel like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to put this the wrong way. I, I kind of feel like we have more margin for error. Like I worry less about the markets, and I and hopefully my clients do too, right? But you know, it's like like hey, you know, your IRA may fluctuate with the markets, maybe down right now, but you know, you've got your pension and your social security, and you know, we've got some room to let things recover. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I think it speaks to a couple of things. One is as an investment advisor, if you're just working with an investment advisor, of course they think they can beat your pension plan, mm-hmm. right? So right. Um, that's kind of the right. competitive nature of where a lot of investment advisors come from. If you're working right. with a financial planner, it's a little bit different because they're looking at potential outcomes and good and bad investments and, and running yeah. through those simulators and can hopefully yeah. give you some good advice around the benefits of taking it versus the benefits of not taking the lump yeah. sum. And so I think that makes a pretty significant difference with kind of who you're working with and how you're viewing this. Right, right. And and just always keep in mind that no matter how well someone models these ideas for you in financial planning software, the big unknown is longevity. And, you know, that's, that's always the wild card and we can, we can make some assumptions and, and, uh, do everything right, but we can't, uh, right. We can't really control that. Yeah. And, and just one last point on this too, Dave, I, I think your point about having that pension income, having that social security income, having a certain amount of guaranteed income really does make things a little bit easier when it comes to planning out and making sure that you've got your basis covered, it does make a difference as opposed to having everything um, revolved around how the market's doing and whether or not you can outperform your withdrawals. 
right. makes a significant right. difference. And it really kind of diversifies what you have in terms of income sources in retirement. You know, moving on a little bit, the next decision point around pensions is usually about when you're going to begin those payments. And, you know, sometimes you've got some leeway between like when you retire and when you start the payments. And when you delay, the payments are always bigger. Right. Yeah. So a lot of these plans will, you know, people think, all right, well, I'm retiring, so I'm going to start my pension. Um, But there is a lot of plans out there where you don't necessarily have to start your pension from day one if you're not working. And that can be a benefit to you, especially depending on how the plan works and how much of an increase in payment they're going to give you for waiting. Um, So it's another thing that we really have to kind of model out in your situation and see what makes the most sense. Now, you know, we, we do a lot of the same calculations for just about everybody when we talk about Social Security. And, you know, there the difference is Social Security goes up about 8% every year you delay. Mm-hmm. Most pensions don't go up that much. So a lot of times there's really not a lot of advantage to delaying a pension. But, uh, you know, Social Security can make a significant difference. Yeah, Social Security is kind of stuck in in the old interest rate world when it comes to uh, delayed payments, where pension plans have kind of upgraded, updated a little bit on current rates and current illustrations. And so not quite as generous as Social Security, but still worth looking into, depending on your plan, might make a lot of sense. A lot of people have trouble kind of wrapping their heads around those options. But, you know, at the end of the day, the longer you delay, we know you're going to get bigger payments, right? We know two things. You're going to get bigger payments and you're going to get fewer payments. Right. Yep. But we, what we don't know is how many fewer payments you're going to get. And because we don't know how long you're going to live, you're going to get those payments for the rest of your life. So, you know, with social security calculators, we can go in and say, okay, if you delay till age 70, your payment should go up to this And that means if you collect those bigger payments from age 70 to age, it's usually right at 78, 79, um, you know, you'll have broken even. Mm -hmm. So, so that's usually gives us some kind of comparison and we can, we can kind of do the same thing around pensions, but again, they don't usually increase as much. Yeah. I think that first calculation of figuring out what your break even point is really kind of gives you some idea of where it stands and, and can kind of help guide you in making that decision. Um, and then I think the second one is how you deal and handle with risk, um, mm-hmm. because that's another one. Usually with if in a scenario like this, when you are delaying pension, delaying Social Security, that means unless you have another job, um, it means that you're taking money out of your portfolio. Um, and that, right. and usually larger amounts to begin with, which means the value of your portfolio is going to do- draw down faster. Um, Mm -hmm. and so some people aren't always comfortable with that. And a lot of times it is kind of a comfort level of, are you going to be able to see your portfolio go down in value before you can start taking the higher pension in social security? Then where the pension options can get kind of interesting with family dynamics is then the other choices are usually, do you cover just yourself with your pension or do you take a smaller payment and cover your spouse as well? 
And this one's tricky because, of course, it's usually multiple options, right? So the -hmm. first one is, do you want to cover your spouse? And then the second one is, at what level would you like to cover your spouse? Um, (laughs) So do you want to give them 50% of your pension, 75, 100? And so there's a lot Mm -hmm. of decisions and a lot of math behind what maybe makes sense in that scenario. Another thing I I, I warn people on as well is when you're selecting spousal coverage, a lot of times with pension benefits come retiree healthcare benefits. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times if you, if your spouse is, if you don't, if you opt out of spousal coverage, that also means that they're going to drop health benefits if something happens to you. So you have to be really careful about that one and making sure you understand how your plan works. And then, you know, obviously making a decision about uh, is your spouse going to have enough income if you take a straight life without spousal coverage and you pass away first that so they're going to lose the pension income, but they're also going to lose a social security income because social security, you can only take one social security, which means that you'd have Mm -hmm. to choose the higher one. Um, but mm-hmm. so then you're losing your social uh, a social security benefit and a pension benefit. And so are you going to yeah. have enough income without those to be able to meet your goals for the rest of your life your, for yeah. your spouse? Yeah. So, you know, to, to complicate everything, we're looking basically at two life expectancies instead right. of just one. And, you know, there, you know, there's, there's always room for discussion if it's, if it's the husband's pension and they're close to the same age, in general, we expect the wife to live longer just based on differences in, in male and female longevity. Right. But, you know, we have to look at relative ages. You know, it, like, like if it's a situation where it's the wife's pension and she's significantly younger than the husband, you know, there it might make sense just to do straight life because the odds are pretty good she's going to outlive him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But then, you know, you've got to then think about it like we think about insurance, right? You know, so so all things being equal, you know, normal life expectancies, we would we would think that's the best scenario. But what happens if uh, she walks out of the pension office after making her decision and gets hit by a bus, right? Right. And and so so relative longevity, but also then how big of a part of the retirement income puzzle is that pension and how would things look for the surviving spouse with or without it and you know we've got we've got pretty good tools to model that the way i usually do it and i think you do it the same is i'll model it with straight life and show that scenario and then we'll play around with what what would happen if if something happened to one spouse or the other and then i'll model it with 100% coverage because the other, you know, you can you can drive yourself crazy with all the different combinations. Oh, yeah. But if we look at we look at one hand and then the other, and we can kind of go from there based on comfort levels. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think you know another thing is to know your plan, right? So some plans mm-hmm. offer what's referred to sometimes as kind of a pop up benefit, which means that if you choose the spousal life and your spouse passes away, it would actually pop up to the straight life amount. Another thing that I know people do is instead of using spousal coverage, they'll look at insurance, life insurance, as a way to kind of cover that. Yeah, not necessarily my favorite way to do it, but certainly I think there are some cases where it makes sense because if you think about your life, your spousal coverage is essentially basically a, a life insurance coverage mm-hmm. on yourself. 
Um, so it is similar, but it works a little bit different. So again, depending on the plan and how much the, uh, the difference is between straight life and yeah. joint yeah. coverage, that makes sometimes life insurance more attractive. There's a lot of different ways to look at it, but what I would say is you definitely want to see how it impacts your long-term plans if something yeah. happens to you. Um, you want to make sure that your spouse is taken care of at the level that you want, that, that you guys agree to, um, so that you're not left mm-hmm. in a situation where, well, you know, we thought he was going to live till 85 and he passed away at 75, and now we're kind of out of luck because we right. a straight life. So making right. sure you're aware of not only what, how that impacts you, but what you're going to do about it. Not necessarily to say that if right. the pension ended at 75, you might have plenty of other assets to cover it. So it's not a big deal. It's, a lot of that will depend on your overall situation. There's no one straight, you know, there's not a good rule of thumb for a decision yep. like that. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is if you look at the insurance alternatives, make sure you look at them with someone they can be objective about them and make sure that the assumptions built into the insurance and the premiums are realistic mm. and, and that the expenses make sense. And uh, just, just make sure you know, you know the pros and cons before you go forward with that. And, and, and recognize it's never going to be perfect because, you know, if you buy, if you buy a certain insurance benefit and you live a long time, then, you know, the math isn't as good. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. You you just gotta, just gotta be aware. It's a different set of pros and cons when you go that way. Yeah. And I think, you know, a great point, what you're, what you don't want to do is go into the insurance salesman office and ask them, you know, to (laughs) to help you buy an insurance policy Um, because they will do that, but they don't necessarily have to do the analysis to make sure that you're buying what's the right coverage for you and what you're trying to do. That's not to say that that will happen in every insurance office, but you just want to go in kind of eyes wide open and making sure yeah. that the calculations yeah. are being done and it's looked at from an objective point of view. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the important thing. So uh, I think that about covers it, you know, at the end of the day, when somebody wants to know exactly what they should do with their pension, the best answer is to check back in 30 years. Right. Yeah. But uh, so like so many other things that we talk about, you make a choice that makes sense that you're comfortable with after looking at the alternatives and recognize that there's, there's factors there you can't control. Don't obsess about it. Don't be paralyzed by it and uh, make the best decision you can and get some help. Yeah. And I think that's a great, just a great plug for how important a comprehensive plan is because this pension seems like one decision, but it really touches on everything. It and does. So- yeah. If you don't have all the information going in, you're you're liable to make a decision that's not in your best interest long term. Well, yeah, we've named so we've named four or five different elements here that all kind of dovetail together with the pension decision. We've talked about social security, we've talked about portfolio choices and risk, and we've talked about insurance. And you know, they all they none of these decisions should be made in a vacuum. Absolutely. They all, they all work together. Yeah. So. so if you have a 
have a pension or have questions on a pension, um, be sure to reach out, let us know. Or if you have another burning financial question you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, uh, shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. Excellent. Thanks, Dave. So, Nick, been a pleasure. Yep. Get out there, enjoy the nice uh, weather this weekend, and uh, we'll talk. That was the plan. Thanks. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.